I'm Chris Ryan. Hi, Chris. Hi, Juliet. We're doing this cross country. Yes, we are. I'm in New York. I'm in Los Angeles. We got a lot to talk about. It's a big day for Claytheists. <laughs> Let's just start there. So, Claytheism, the religion of the ringer, and my personal uh, lifestyle took a big W last night because Clay Thompson, the one and only, appeared on the Fox 5 local news. Isaac, roll the clip. I usually observe if the, if the piping and stuff is new or Sometimes, you know, something looks like it's been there a while. I kind of try to avoid that. Julia, there's a thing, you know, like it's like a common part of our lexicon now to be like, I have some questions. Yes. That's overused. Okay. But not in this case. <laughs> so what happened was Clay Thompson was walking down the street, I guess. So I don't know. <laughs> Clay Thompson appeared in a segment about scaffolding. Scaffolding is as quotidian and banal as like... I don't know, brushing your teeth to New Yorkers. There's so much scaffolding everywhere. But for some reason, there was a segment on it. And Clay weighed in about, like, looking at scaffolding. And he had, like, a very thorough answer. Yes. So my first question is, does Clay Thompson work in construction and we didn't know about it? Well, he doesn't come from a construction family, as far as we know, since his dad was an NBA player and now is an NBA analyst. He also grew up on the West Coast, correct? Yes, California and Oregon. So most of his life would have been spent in the car, not necessarily looking at construction. Also, I think he grew up in Southern California, correct? Yeah, Southern California and then also a little Portland. Okay, so Southern California and Clay Thompson's youth was not going under the building boom that it's going through now. It was not <laughs> no. the destination that it was. And now you've got a guy who is 6'6", wandering around New York City, and rather than sort of keeping his head down with his earbuds in and just kind of, you know, vibing out to whatever it is, Peter Tosh that he listens to, he's looking up all the time at scaffolding. He's like, what is this glorious, you know, monument to man's ingenuity that we build and we build? But he's also sort of like a scaffolding yelper where he's like, I have thoughts about whether this is well constructed. I, I don't even know. Do you think Clay just watches Ken Burns' Brooklyn Bridge? Like, what do you think is going on here? I don't, I really don't know. I guess it's just like a random thing he thought about. I wonder if like one time he had to get like a summer job and his parents were like, learn about construction or something. But I don't know. Come on. Just, se- <laughs> just seems like Michael Thompson would be like, get in the gym and yeah. don't stop shooting. Yes. So I don't know. I don't get it. Also, of all the NBA players, like Clay Thompson is in, is in the bottom 10% of those who I think should live in New York. Like, I just don't think this is like a city for him and for his vibes. But yet he had such thorough opinions on scaffolding. So I don't know. Are you are you starting the clay to the Knicks train? Clay to the Knicks. I have another thing I want to say just to pull the curtain back a little bit. It's not super easy to get NBA players on the phone or on camera <laughs> or to do things for you. And just the idea that Clay just like randomly pops up, like they probably were like, Hey, Clay Thompson, do you want to talk about scaffolding? We're doing a bit on scaffolding. He was like, Yes. And not only yes, but I have a bit on this is remarkable. It makes you wonder what other completely normal everyday occurrences Clay Thompson should be commenting on. A couple of things about that. So you think 
Someone from Fox 5 News reached out to the Warriors. No, I think they spotted him walking from his hotel to somewhere else. And that somebody was like, wouldn't it be a gas if Clay Thompson would do this? You wouldn't be a good news producer if you allowed that to happen and you didn't do your best. And the thing about local news producers is it's not like, they're not like, I want to make sure my relationship with Clay or Clay's agents are still good. They're like, I'll ask Clay Thompson to be on my scaffolding bit. And if he says no, so what? Right. No reason not to do it. Another thing it really like brought into focus is, is that there's a trend this season of asking players about basically any topic, yes. particularly LeBron, of being yes. like, LeBron, what do you think about... Um, LeVar and Trump. What do you yeah. think about Cronuts? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everything. And so I like that. They couldn't get LeBron. So they're like, okay, we'll just ask Clay Thompson what he thinks about <laughs> scaffolding. What do you think LeBron thinks about scaffolding? <laughs> I don't know. We got to ask him. But it's just sort of like getting an NBA player to weigh in on any topic is better than not having an NBA player weigh in. And it's hilarious. I don't know. I just love it. This is probably going to replace the toaster as the most clay moment of all time. It's wild. It's also just like China clay is like it's made for its virality. This is like for true clay heads. This is like you have to really be connected to the clay hive to understand what's going on here. Yeah, it's not just like a funny dance in a club. but Like it's so... Like I said, it's just so banal. It's incredible. It's just so incredible. Also, a lot of people pointed this out on Twitter, but um, while Clay was talking to the Fox 5 local news about scaffolding, his teammate in Splash Bro was on Jimmy Fallon. Like, that's the difference between Steph and Clay. Yeah, it's it's just incredible. Another thing, aside from Clay, that we like to track on Sources Say is obviously beef. I wouldn't necessarily yes. call this beef as much as a sweet confection that you have to bake. Ooh. Because CJ McCollum got into a beef with Evan Fournier on the court on November 15th. It was just like a little bit of like normal shoving. But later on, CJ told the flagrant two pod that what he said to Evan Fournier is, you are sweet and soft like those crepes you eat. <laughs> Quote, I just felt like he disrespected me by putting his hands on me. Obviously, I'm not trying to get in any fines or anything of that nature. And I told him he was sweet. He's French. And I said that you are sweet and soft like those crepes you eat. Is this the most try-hard trash talk ever? This is such a dad joke. It's too try-hard for me. I can't deal with it. I already didn't like the Blazers, as often discussed on the Heat Check podcast. But this one, I'm just like, come on, CJ. Also, a true trash talker doesn't reference his previous trash talk. Yes, I agree with you. I think that it seems like something that CJ had unemployed comedy writers work on for him. He, like he, 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 he threw some money to some joke writers and was like, come up with like just a Rolodex of, of trash talk for me and then made sure that it got out public. Yeah, absolutely. Like just make sure you're, you're using our lines, basically. We had a lot of good additional lines for him in the Ringer NBA Slack. Though. Should we share a couple? That's a good idea. Yeah, sure. Ryan O'Hanlon was just like outraged because of his like already he hates on people from Lehigh, I guess. Sure. Classically high bullshit, he said. <laughs> He's always Team Lafayette. Isaac Lee, our producer with a classic Isaac read on the situation, was calling someone sweet is a compliment, no? Jason Concepcion said, you're twisted like croissants. Sean, you said you're dry and flaky like the scones you eat. I said, you're rarely good like a banana nut muffin. Lots of pushback um, on that one. Shoemaker said, you're stale and full of empty calories like Starbucks pound cake. <laughs> Um, Paulo said, you're like a cinnamon roll, only relevant when you get hot. <laughs> These are all better yeah. lines for CJ McCollum. Yeah, it's just, it's good stuff, but... I love where the NBA is at right now, but I think these guys are a little too aware of the thirst for their... Their content. Content. Yeah. 
and it's it's getting a little problematic. And that actually is a pretty good segue to our next topic. <laughs> we have to go to Boston. I feel like we're becoming parodies of ourselves because we work for Bill and we talk about the Celtics so much. But they got the best record in the league, and Kyrie Irving is really fucking good. So last night, Tuesday night, the Celtics, their streak was almost busted in Dallas, and Kyrie Irving put them on his back, and they won an overtime. And after a 47-point outing on 22 shots for Kyrie Irving, Danny Ainge... His GM, in the scourge of many basketball fans and other GMs, tweeted, maybe the world is flat. And then with the flex emoji of like making a muscle, at Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving, hashtag Celtic world. Not a fam. No. Nah. The world is not nope. flat, and it's not helpful for someone like Danny Ainge to be pretending it is. Or like even suggesting yeah, I also don't is. like the, if this is what they're trying to do, the reappropriation of this bit as some sort of Celtic strong language like you're gonna you're gonna sort of detach it from what it actually means in the world and be like oh no it's just like if you believe that the earth is flat it's like you believe in your team over everything that's bullshit don't so if that's what we're trying to trot out either way it's bad if you're trying to say it has nothing to do with the earth being flat it's just like an inside joke for the team about how we can only count on each other find another fucking phrase. If it's actually, I think maybe like Kyrie is so good that I'm just going to take all he says at face value. That's also bullshit. It's not the time in world history to be questioning empirical facts. And it's, I just, I'm not into this. I I know that I'm sort of a spoil sport about this, but I just don't, I'm not feeling this. Chris, you're the anti for the culture guy. Like you don't, don't do it for yeah, the culture. I get I get that it's not a literal affirmation of what Kyrie said, yeah, but I'm still not into you're it. You're all about the round earth. You're all about science. I, I, <laughs> I'm all about the round earth. <laughs> you are, I'm man. into there not being an alternative to the round earth. Right. You live in one reality, and that's yeah, ours that that's Kyrie it. is not in. I, have you been keeping track of Kyrie's fashion at all? Not really. What's What's the latest? He's got two looks going for him in Boston. And I will say, I didn't pay that much attention to his fashion in Cleveland. I was distracted by the sun, a.k.a. LeBron. But there's two looks. So he either wears, like, his Kyrie Irving Nike stuff and then tops it off with, like, a beanie and some wool gloves that are missing the fingers. Okay. And that's, like, his sort of um, what I call Kevin Smith 1990s movie character outfits. Like, he looks like he could, like, be in Mall Rats or something like that. Just, like, hanging out in, in the mall. It's okay. Or... Mall rats. <laughs> or or he dresses like he watched an entire season of Welcome Back, Cotter, and was like, "Damn, that Gabe Kaplan, love his look. What can I get? <laughs> what can I get that's similar?" And wears these like weirdly like muted tone overshirts that look like they're made of like suede or like some kind of heavy twill, and it's like not a button down and not quite like an overcoat. It's like kind of like one of like the jackets that Gabe Kaplan would wear on Welcome Back, Cotter. Well, in between outerwear is pretty big these days as someone who wore a coat like that to his own birthday party. So it's like... You were, you were just more of a blazer. Come on, man. Don't sell it short. No, but it's like a blazer that could double as a coat. It was like a little... It was cut a little bit bigger. It's... it's okay, but... I'm just saying... You live in LA. Kyrie yes. Irving lives in Boston where I'm just like... But it's, it's at, still probably autumn in Boston, you know? Autumn in Boston. Let's see what's Boston weather. How lovely. It's 56. He's killing it. It's like he's got everything at his fingertips right now. The leaves are turning in the commons and he's got this like... Very durable, very flexible outerwear on. I guess. Why am I defending Kyrie Irving's fashion? I don't know. It's actually a shocking turn of events. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I support it, I guess. Kyrie is vexing. I do love watching him play basketball, though. That's the main thing. I don't love watching the Oklahoma City Thunder play basketball. No, it's a real heartbreak. And this has been a little tough for me because I, I have a lot of Oklahoma City stock. 
I even bought some Mellow stock quietly yeah. through a burner account on the <laughs> Cayman Islands exchange. But they have been in a little bit of trouble recently. And it all comes down to them not being able to close games. They've just been really streaky. So they've like, they'll lose four in a row, win three in a row. Now they've lost two in a row. The problem is, is the end of games offense. They'll jump out on a lead on anybody and then they'll make anyone they're playing look like the Warriors. Whereas like, you know, when you're watching the Warriors on Saturday and the Sixers were up 25, you were just like, yeah, but like eventually they're going to just slingshot back into this. This is not real. So that's like basically every Thunder game, except the Thunder are the Sixers and they they let people back in the game. It it seems like they haven't quite figured out what their offense is and their bench is really bad for as much as I was sort of like, hey, Ray Felton's like useful. They have like Pat Pat, Ray Felton, and oh, Dakari Johnson from the Ghost of Kentucky past yeah. showing up there. Yeah. So it was just really bad. And our big three are starting to make some of their gripes public. Westbrook uh, yesterday after losing to the the Pelicans said, you got to go out and play. You can talk as much as you want to, but guys have to take personal pride and understand how important it is to go out and compete and not take it for granted. I think as players, you go out on the floor and sometimes you take it for granted and don't realize how important it is and embrace it, yada, yada. I mean, he's just like, we need to be better. Here's the thing. There are no more real bums on this team to look at. Russ is talking about Mello probably here, I think. Is he? I don't I don't know. Well, I'm not trying to start anything, but it's like when you have a super team and you have these vague, like, we have to take things seriously statements, the we is about guys who probably think of themselves as taking things pretty seriously. Sure. So maybe he's talking about Pat Pat or Raymond Felton or Alex Abrinas or something like that. Doubt but the, more likely that he's talking about somebody like Melo or PG. I mean, he's not talking about Adams or Roberson, right? No. Carmelo, a couple of days ago, uh, had talked a little bit about the dynamic between the three big stars, saying, we're too timid. We're thinking too much. Russ, PG, myself, we have to do a better job of being selfish in a way, of playing our game and being aggressive on the basketball court, not thinking about it. I don't know if selfish is the right word. We play off instincts. We're very instinctive players, and now we're not playing like that. There's, there probably is too much instincts going on. They probably aren't sh- like yeah. have one person deciding. But the best one of all of these was a Instagram that Paul George put up last week of a quote, and it says, if you are caught unprepared by a sudden rainstorm, You should not run foolishly down the road or hide under the eaves of houses. You are going to get soaked either way. Accept that from the beginning and go on your way. This way you will not be distressed by a little rain. Apply this lesson to everything. This is taken from the Book of the Samurai. What does that say to you? The Book of the Samurai. Do you think that Paul George read the Book of the Samurai or has a collection of quotes from the Book of the Samurai? You know, like he likes fishing. Like maybe he's out of there on a boat reading the Book of the Samurai. I think that like guys like this get quotes like supplied to them. I think there's sort of like someone like passed it along. Oh. I think he has like, a guy in his entourage or his agent or friend of an agent or like a runner who's like sends him like a motivational quote to like make him feel better. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to post that on Instagram. Good one. Man, I would love to be the quote doctor in the NBA players social media that's entourage. Like a, that's like a black market that we could exploit. Of like, oh, you need a you need a quote for fighting with your teammate, for blowing a lead, for getting <laughs> getting caught cheating on your wife. Okay, we got a quote for you. What can we do here? But it would be dope if, you know, we worked for Zach Randolph or Vince Carter and we were giving them quotes from Ladybird oh about God, Sacramento. Incredible. And then we're like <laughs> California just, hedonism. Just listen to some Dave Matthews, everything will be okay. <laughs> yeah. So, question Mm-hmm. Who lasts longer, Billy Donovan with the Thunder or Doc Rivers with the Clippers? I think Billy. You think he's uh, out first or he's fired first? No, I or- think Billy lasts longer. I think Doc's in a lot of trouble because I think the team quit on him. Yeah. That seems to be the read. And once that read happens, 
I'd like to go back through the internet if I could build a bot to do this. Or if anybody can remember this happening, I'd love to hear it. How often does it get public that a team is quitting on a coach and he that coach recovers? Because it's not very often. Well, like that happened in Denver a couple of years ago. That uh-huh. happened with on Earl. George Carl. Yeah, yeah, it happened with Earl Watson this year in Phoenix. Yep. I mean, Hoiberg somehow survived, but even with the Bulls, they kind of like weirdly played mediocre basketball down the stretch. You remember that? Like, yeah. They wouldn't just go away, and that's yeah, why totally. they wound up with a sort of bad pick. It's not very often that a guy can survive that. So yeah. the fact that. Billy Donovan so far has avoided any of the subtweets from his big three. And even if he was under that kind of scrutiny, I don't think Sam Presti would would get rid of him. Whereas they already took away Doc's personnel influence. So I wonder whether the coaching is next. Certainly seems like it. But I, I just don't have any evidence that Billy Donovan's a good NBA coach. No, I know. Like, I mean, <laughs> like literally none. Like there's no... And I don't want to just like blame it on Russ, like, but like there's no system. And like I know Russ haters are like, yeah, you can't play with Russ, but I don't believe that. Like, I, I don't know. There's, there has to be a way to make these three players together a good team. Like, that's basketball. Figure it out. Yeah. And I think that guys like Pop and Stevens sort of throw us off because all you hear is like Kyrie just being like, Brad Stevens is a genius. I'm just riding shotgun in the car with him and learning from him. And people aren't really saying that about Billy Donovan. Right. Also, Billy Donovan has an interestingly large amount of stuff on his, like, wrist ornaments oh. considering how clean cut and straight laced he seems do you think he's a candidate for like tons of secret tattoos yeah I was gonna say like weird Bonnaroo forearm tat oh cool like he's like a real burning man kind of guy yeah like maybe he's super into my morning jacket or something oh, who knows interesting <laughs> maybe <laughs> um, next story this one's a little bit less lighthearted. certainly more litigious Ray Allen, who you may remember from game six of the 2013 <laughs> NBA Finals. Or just being one of the great shooting guards of or, the last 30 years. Yeah, I remember him. Or, or being yeah. one of the great shooting guards of the last 30 years. And the film, He Got Game, which I saw with my father when I was 13. Very traumatizing. He got catfished. And the story came out today in both TMZ and ESPN because he is suing the guy who catfished him. So the guy who allegedly catfished him, who is named Bryant Coleman, and he first got a restraining order against Ray Allen. And he's like, no, I'm getting one against you because this is what happened. And these are all quotes from ESPN. Coleman pretended to be a number of attractive women interested in Ray Allen. Read the motion filed on Allen's behalf. Ray believed he was speaking with these women and communicated with them. In the filing, Allen said Coleman threatened to reveal, reveal details of their conversations and that the sides eventually struck a deal to keep everything private. Allen said that the deal has been violated and that Coleman has continued to harass him and his family through several social media accounts. He posted about Ray's wife, Ray's children, Ray's dog, Ray's homes, Ray's wife restaurant, and numerous other personal items. Coleman not only posted about these things, he would actually post while physically located inside Ray's wife's restaurant in Orlando, and he would make sure they knew it, tagging Ray and his wife on those posts. This is bonkers and scary. I think if I was famous, I would be off the grid. Yeah, I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, This is just my read of it. Obviously, like, I don't know the ins and outs and the details of this case. But the way this is described is pretty classic case of stalking. And just that one little element of the catfishing and the blackmail or whatever, not even blackmail, but the the implication that he was going to reveal that Ray Allen was doing whatever he was doing in these messages with who he thought were women, it kind of, like, doesn't make up for the fact that this guy was essentially digitally stalking these people. Yeah, totally. I just think that more and more when I see stuff like this, I'm like, if I was a celebrity, I just would not have a phone. Yeah. I would not be on social media. I would not be on Instagram. I would not be like letting people know where I was or or I, I would just be very, very elusive. Yeah, like as private as possible. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Or if I wasn't elusive, everything that I had on social media would basically be empty bullshit. It would just be like a picture of me with the sun coming up and being like, great day. Think about like what the tipping point has to be for Ray Allen to be like, okay, I'm going to go public with this. Or like, I'm going to, yeah. like, it must be like scary and also reaching some some level where like other people are going to find out. Like, because it's like, not only is it scary, it's also like quite embarrassing, which Ray Allen mentions. And the whole thing is just like, just very bleak. I don't know. Being being famous seems hard. Yeah. You look at some of the like the young people in the NBA and you're like, wow, you're handling this shockingly well. It's like very surprising, which leads us into our final topic of the day. The bell of the ball, <laughs> the, the rookie of the, the year. rookie of the year, Ben Simmons of, yeah. the, of your Philadelphia 76ers. This is a topic that came about because I said to you, I want to know what's up with Ben Simmons's interior life. Yes. I did tell you one thing that I did a few years ago, and I think I still have saved in my personal drafts. I, before Ben Simmons was at LSU, or like right before, or maybe, I don't know, sometime in 2015, I did like a very deep dive on all of members of the Simmons families and like all <laughs> and all, all of their social media. And I like have a list of like all the accounts because it's a little hard to untangle. But there's like a lot of Simmonses out there, and uh-huh. all of their social medias are pretty vanilla and like just not that great. So I just want you to know that that I've this okay. is this is a this is a world I'm very familiar with. This is just what I'm trying to say. The Ben Simmons world. The Ben Simmons social media world, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything that you you've divined from it? His social media, it's not only that he's just so ready obviously for NBA basketball and he's already according to Bill and House a top 20 NBA player. Uh it's that he seems so composed. Yeah. There's a point in the Lakers game that I went to where I think someone was inbounding the ball to him and he wasn't looking and it kind of bounced off his hip and went out of bounds and the Lakers got the ball back. And it was not at a great time for that to happen in the game. I think it was it was pretty tight. And he just turned to the guy who did it and it was the guy's fault because like I, he'd thrown it when Simmons wasn't looking. And he just like patted him on the butt and then he brought the team together and like calmed them down and the Sixers went on to win. And I don't know necessarily what he said there, but it was a not rookie move. And I felt like when last night when Molly Sullivan was talking to him after the Jazz game, Molly was like, you know, I think she was asking him like, do you think you're in the conversation for rookie of the year? Some, something about an individual accolade. And he like interrupted and was just like, I only care about rings. I want many, several rings. <laughs> and I was like, this guy is like a robot like he is a terminator this is he has really 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 got it together because a lot of the rookies come in and they're just like dragon ball z i'm so like me myself and ben is just like no man he seems like a five-year veteran yeah he's really focused and he just got his eye on the prize also i don't know he's just so good like (laughs) it must be easier to be focused when you're like yeah i'm i'm succeeding already you know yeah and also, it's interesting, like, him and Embiid being both so good and being, like, so famous. And, and uh, different. Yeah. And different. Yeah. You know, I don't think that Ben does the trash talk that Embiid does. I would like him to. That'd be more fun. My main conclusion about Ben Simmons is he definitely has a burner account because all of his Instagrams and, like, all of his tweets are just so, like, just team-focused. They're, like, about, like, being on the 76ers and, like, playing basketball. And, like, come on. He's, like, a 19, 20-year-old kid. He's got he's to have a burner. Even Kevin, yeah. Even we learned Kevin Durant has a burner Instagram. I believe Ben Simmons does too. How else are you gonna yeah. slide into those DMs? I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's old school, epistolary romance, sending letters. <laughs> Dear Philomena. <laughs> Dear Theodosia. <laughs> maybe. He also loves the musical Hamilton for sure. Yeah, for sure. The most dramatic Simmons is his sister, who like would take to Twitter like last year and complained about like being famous or like her brother not caring about her. Do you remember that? Yeah. I thought that yeah. was gonna be like a bad sign for Ben Simmons, but now I'm all in on the Simmons train. Like it's it was love at first basketball site for me. Just love watching that guy play. Is he your favorite sixer? Ben? Yeah. It's Ben or Rocco, yeah. I like Rocco, too. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm happy I have for a him. soft spot for TJ. No, um, no. And I was thinking about being a take artist and saying Markel is my favorite sixer, but now that Markel is back on, is still on the bench for another at least three weeks while they balance his shoulder muscles. How would you feel about sending uh, Markel to the G League? I would not be into it. <laughs> Why would they need to send him to the G League? I don't know. To get him some reps. He can get some reps in the NBA. There's some bad NBA <laughs> players out there. <laughs> okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> I think he's not. He's I, the number one pick. He doesn't have to go to the G League. I just, Laurie Markkinen didn't go to the G League. Let's. Well, he's better than Markel Fultz right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the second best rookie of the year after Ben Simmons? Probably either Dennis or... Oh, it's Tatum. It's Tatum. It's Tatum. It's Tatum. It's Tatum then Dennis Smith. Tatum. Then... Tatum. The problem with this rookie class, and they is that they all seem they're all quite good. Not all of them, but they're you know not Lonzo, but they're qu- they're currently playing at a very high level. Many of them, but there's just so few good personalities. Like Dennis Smith is great because he also just seemed like a little bit of a jerk, and De'Aaron Fox has a lot of quirks to him. But I just I need Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum to be a little bit more fun. Like just get in trouble, have one too many drinks or something like that to post. Something yeah, I feel like Malik Monk. Coming out and being like the NBA oh, yeah. is boring was a real tough break because it just it it really put a spotlight on the fact that he needed yeah. to be a Nick. And now that ship has sailed because Frankie Smokes is there. Sure. But Frankie Smokes is not the most dynamic personality. No, but maybe he could be once he gets more comfortable yeah. in New York. He'll get that Batum, that few years out of France vibe after a while. We are really encountering this generation of NBA players and like Porzingis has kind of been it too, minus his Instagram thing from over the summer where like they're just really focused on playing basketball they have all the talking points and like yeah we're here to play like let's let's yeah. get to it no they they really are ready to go yeah it's really exciting for the sport and a little unexciting for this podcast so i, I <laughs> i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep hoping for scandal nothing too wild obviously but just some fun stuff have i think fun, that guys. we'll have some of these super teams will have issues i mean the Cavs kind of like stabilized i think the thunder thing is gonna get bad what do the thunder do though like they fire billy donovan do they make another trade like I've started happened? to see the, like, who could you get, what could you get for Paul George in mm-hmm. January thing. But I just feel like it's impossible for me to imagine that the Thunder are going to be a 500 team. So it would have to be pretty awful there for this. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, that would be impossible. I mean, they have, they're going to play against Golden State without Kevin tomorrow. Then they uh, have Detroit at home. They go to Dallas. They go to Orlando. And then they have Minnesota, San Antonio, Utah. Like they have like a lot of like, oh, we could win a couple here, we could lose a couple here. It's not an easy schedule for them. That's for sure. I know. I'm bummed out that I'm not going to be in Philly for the December 15th game, Thunder Sixers. Oh, damn. Hmm. Hmm. Can we Skype you in? Yeah, maybe. Put me on the Jumbotron. <laughs> be like, play Markel. <laughs> Get Markel in there, bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, this has been Sources Say, the Thanksgiving edition. I'm thankful for the NBA and all of the all of the wonderful storylines. I'm thankful for Juliette Littman and her oh, great man. podcasting partnership. Thanks, Chris. That's so nice. I'm thankful for you, too. Thanks for listening. Check out more of the Ringer NBA show. You can find me on Mondays and Wednesdays. You can find Chris on Wednesdays and Thursdays and our colleagues many other days of the week. And don't forget to check out TheRinger.com. Thanks for listening and happy holidays. Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs>